you are listening to By the Book. Because if you don't look at the world through the Bible, you will never see it right. This is Alan Griffith, your host for episode 48 of By the Book. As always, we are glad that you're listening. We're in a long series, at least it's becoming longer, talking, first of all, about the Bible, because the Bible is our source of truth, objective truth, eternal truth. Uh, We base what we believe about time and eternity on the Bible. We base what we believe on uh, the scriptures to tell us uh, what God is like, what we are like, what the world is like, where the world is going. And so we started this series talking about the scriptures because that's that's foundational, foundational to Christianity, it's foundational to everything I believe, and I hope it's foundational to everything you believe. And once you settle that, once you say, I am committed to the absolute truth of the Bible, you then have an objective measuring rod for every other area of life, every thought, every view, every idea, every philosophy, every opinion, every religious practice. You go down uh, the pike of all kinds of thinking, and you come back to the Bible, and you say, I'm going to measure all of that stuff by what the Bible says. And if it agrees with the Bible, I'll agree with it. If it disagrees with the Bible, I am rejecting it. I'm going to stand by the Bible. Now, if that's not settled in your life, then you're going to wander all over the place in this world. Uh, You will never have stability in your life because you'll never know what is true, what's false, what's good, what's bad. But when you come to the Bible and you say, that's it, that's the word of God, then that settles everything. Now we have to study it, understand what it says, but once you understand this is what the Bible says, oh, I want to tell you what peace, what joy, what understanding. So we talked about the scriptures, and then we moved on to talk about God, because while the scriptures tell us that God is made known by the very experience of looking at creation, Uh, The Bible also goes on and tells us what God is like. It tells us that God is eternal. God is all-knowing. God is everywhere present. Hallelujah. God doesn't change in character. He is always the same. Uh, God does not lie. We can believe what he says. God is the creator and everybody is someday going to answer to God. You're going to stand before God someday. I'm going to stand before God someday. And so, well, how do we know that? Well, we know it because the Bible, that we say this is truth, this is God's word, the Bible then tells us about God and tells us how we are, in fact, going to answer to him. So our first session in this bit of a series was on the Bible. Our next session was on God. Uh, And we talked about God and identified him as spirit. God is spirit, not a spirit. God is spirit by, by nature and by being. Again, he is everywhere present. Then we moved on, and last time, 
uh, we talked about the devil, and we talked about the whole realm of angelic beings. Now, they are spirit beings. They are real, believe me. They are real. The devil is real. Demons are real. Angels are real. God describes them clearly. God lets us know that they are involved in the workings of this world. In fact, the last text that we turned to uh, back in Revelation 16 told us uh, how demonic spirits would go and work in the kings of the nations of this world to draw them to the final battle of Almighty God. And I want to tell you, if you don't understand that behind the workings of the nations, there is not only the power of God, though God works and and does things according to his will, but there is the power of demonic spirits, and they are moving, and it's exciting to watch the movement of the nations. It is exciting to watch those things happen in light of what the Bible says, but it is also soul-stirring to know that we are living in a world that is often moved and motivated by demonic beings. It's something to watch and to see. Now, these beings, these angelic beings, can only be in one place at, at one time. So I want to emphasize again, because I want, to, want us to eventually get to understanding who we are. So God is divine. God is spirit. God is everywhere present all the time. The devil and his angels and all angels are also spirits. They're not divine spirits. They're not deity. They are angelic spirits. As angelic spirits, they are going to live forever. They had a time when they were created, and now they are going to live forever. They are spirit beings. Some are in a a prison of sorts right now, the Bible tells us, and God tells us that the devil and his angels are going to be cast into the lake of fire, which was prepared for them, and then there are other angelic beings that serve God now, and it would seem that those who have committed to serving God will always serve God. There won't be any further angelic rebellion. So we've got those those spirits, and they are Again, we'll call them angelic spirits. Now, today we're going to jump over and talk a little bit about uh, animals. They're part of creation. And there's uh, a lot of misunderstanding about them, more so today than ever. I see people who, in my opinion, they treat their kids like animals and they treat their animals like kids. And, uh, and we need to understand uh, where the animals fit in, what they are, and what they are not. So the first thing I want to acknowledge for you is that animals and human beings have souls. Now, we'll talk about that in a moment. There's no indication in Scripture that spirit beings, angels, demons, and so on, they don't have 
souls. Soul is a term that is used of the animal, and it is also used of us as human beings. Now, let me just read a verse to you that confirms that animals have souls. Then we're going to talk a little bit about what uh, the soul is. In Genesis chapter 1 and verse 30, it says this, And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, that's our key term, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. Now that was in uh, Genesis 1, the time of God's creation. And the term that is used there for life, it's a uh, rendered as just uh, one word in our English Bible. I think there's actually two Hebrew words behind it, which can be translated as soul. Now, what is the soul? Um, we are familiar, maybe you are, with the New Testament term for soul, suke, suke from which we get our term psychiatry, psychology, and so on. But the term itself, the idea of, of a soul, is that it is life. It's natural life. It is the ability to, to breathe and function uh, with a body. I'm going to leave it at that for the moment. And you can immediately see that, yes, animals have that. Animals are living, breathing creatures. Uh, men have souls. You have a soul. You are a living and breathing creature. So the spirit being, stay with me now, the spirit being, the angel has a spirit, has no soul, has no body. The animal does not have a spirit. It has a soul and it has a body. Now, here's the thing with the animal. Here's what I want you to understand. That with an animal, and we're going to talk more about it, when you kill the body of the animal, you also kill the soul. So it is a living, breathing creature but there is nothing more to it than its ability to live and breathe in a body. So the spirit being, the angel, has a spirit, no body, and no soul. The animal has a soul and a body. Now, we're going to talk a lot more about it, but I want you to think about us as human beings. We as human beings have a soul. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about that in the coming episodes. We have a body, but we also have a spirit. So with the human being, the spirit is what gives eternal existence to the person. So if you kill an animal. If you kill the body, you kill the animal. If you kill a person, you kill the body. While there's not a breathing going on anymore in that body, to be sure, 
The Bible teaches us that the human soul continues to exist. The real being continues to live. And what gives that eternality to the human soul is the fact that the human being also has a spirit, not an angelic spirit. It's not a divine spirit. It is a human spirit. So let me take a moment to get you to think through these things. God, spirit, divine spirit, angels, spirit, angelic spirit, not divine, only one place at one time. The animal, body, and soul kill the body, you kill the animal, no more existence. The human being, body, soul, and spirit kill the body. The body is dead, but the person, the soul, continues to live because it gets its eternal existence from the human spirit. That's the picture. Now, with that in mind, I want to talk a little bit about the animal. And so I want to go to Genesis chapter 2. It's a place I like to turn to because uh, God has just made Adam in Genesis 2. If you know about God making Adam, he was formed of the dust of the ground. Uh, God breathed into him the breath of life, and he became a living soul. And he was accompanied, the soul accompanied by a spirit. He was a living being who would exist somewhere forever. Now, verse 18 of Genesis 2 says this, the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. He said, I don't want the man to be alone. I'm going to make him a helper. Verse 19 and 20 says this, and out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air. So just as Adam was made, of the dust of the ground. That's how God formed the beasts of the field and the fowl of the air. In other words, the animal kingdom were also made of the ground, the dust of the earth. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air. And then God did something very special in a sense. Verse 19 goes on and says that he brought them to Adam. So we don't know how many creatures God created, but whatever number it was, he, as it were, brings them to Adam with this thought in mind, to see what Adam would call them. And so Adam was giving the assignment of giving names to the creatures of the earth, the fowl of the air. He gave them their names. And it says, that whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. I would suggest to you, uh, Adam was not just the, the typical dumb caveman or whatever. Sometimes we try to put the men in this prehistoric realm of stupidity and ignorance. Adam was a very smart man. Verse 20 goes on and says that Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found an help, a helper, meet or fit for him. 
Now, I'd like to think Adam was glad about that, and I'll tell you what, I'm glad about that. Animals and human beings are different, totally different. God created the human being, and he gave to Adam dominion over the whole earth and the whole animal kingdom because he was a unique being. He was spirit, soul, and body, and uniquely made in the image of God. The animals were made. They were living, breathing creatures, but they had no spirit. They have no eternality. When you kill the animal, when you kill the body, you kill the animal, and it doesn't exist anymore. Now, that's important because of some of the thinking of people today. Uh, People get the idea, and sometimes they teach their children, and I understand. I can understand why people would want to say this to their kids, to to comfort them uh, in the loss of an animal. You know, we get attached, and rightfully so, to our cats and our dogs and whatever other pets we might have, usually mostly attached to the, the dog and the cat. And so one of those animals passes away and our child is upset. Again, rightfully so. We love those animals. And so people have fallen into the idea of telling kids, well, you know, little Fido or whatever his name is went to doggy heaven. Well, listen, he didn't go to doggy heaven. And if you've been teaching your children that kind of thing, stop. Stop, because there is no doggy heaven. Dogs don't go to heaven. Cats don't go to heaven. And I've often said, if dogs and cats go to heaven, which ones would go? Would all dogs go to heaven? Well, I want to tell you something. If all dogs die and go to heaven, it'd be better for you to be a dog than a human, because I want to tell you, there's a lot of humans who are not going to heaven. So dogs don't go to heaven. Cats don't go to heaven. Now, people sometimes say, well, are there going to be animals in heaven? And in fact, there are things in Scripture, places in Scripture, where it seems to indicate Uh, that there are animals that are going to exist on the new earth. And I suppose there will. I mean, animals have been a source of of, uh, joy and pleasantry uh, and comfort to us. Uh, I, I love animals. You do too. But here's what I want you to understand. No animal on the new earth is going to be a resurrected animal. It's not going to be an animal who once lived on the earth, died, and then was risen to go to heaven and then eventually be on the new earth. Now, I can't say much more about the animals on the new earth, whether they will live forever. Maybe they will. I assume they will because death is a terrible enemy and death is going to be conquered. The Bible says it's the last enemy that's going to be destroyed. And so I would assume if God puts animals on the new earth that they are going to live forever, just like the people on the new earth are going to live forever. But animals are not people. And uh, we've gotten into a place today where we are treating them often as people. Again, I love animals. I'm going to emphasize that. But when I see these advertisements, you know, for $19 a month, you can make sure that these dogs that are shown to be 
starving and, and shivering and whatever, you know, you could take care of an animal and, and all that kind of thing. You know, if you want to do that, do that. But when I see what our world, our society is doing to unborn children, when I see that, when I see that multitudes of children are being put to death in their mother's womb, and, and very, very few people seem to care about that. And today, uh, 60% of all abortions are actually being done by, by taking a pill to kill the baby. When I see that, I want to draw a large line of distinction between the child and the animal. There are people who are treating their animals like children. And sometimes the best thing we could do for those animals that are found starving and injured and whatever, rather than investing thousands of dollars in them, maybe the best thing that we could do is put them down. And that's what we used to do when I was a kid growing up, and I don't think there was any crime in it. It was the best thing for the animal. And so, again, I'm going to emphasize I love animals. We had pets growing up. Most of my adult life, we have had pets, and, and I love them. I've often told people I, I love German shepherds. That's, that would be my dog, to be sure. Others are fine, and we should love animals. God provided them uh, for our enjoyment, our comfort, whatever it might be. But I, I want to remind you that once... Adam and Eve fell. They were, they were created to just uh, eat the fruit of the ground. Uh, and animals also were created to eat the fruit of the ground. They weren't created to eat each other. But once sin came, then things changed. And uh, now you and I are allowed to eat animals. And again, some people don't like that. They're upset about that, how, how terrible that is. But listen, God says it's okay. When Noah and his family came off the ark, God said to them that they could eat of every living creature. Now, not me. There's a lot of living creatures. I'm not interested in killing and eating. There are some that I enjoy very much, but that's what God said. And then you came to the Mosaic law with Israel, and God put some restrictions. Don't eat these. They are unclean animals. You can't eat these. They are clean animals. When you get to the New Testament, we're not under the law anymore. Things can be eaten if they are received with thanksgiving. But what I'm trying to simply get across without hurting too many people or offending too many people is that animals are exactly that. They are animals. They are living, breathing creatures, but they are not humans. They do not have an eternal life. They do not have an eternal existence. When the animal dies, it is over. Its life is over. It is gone, and it will never live again. That's animals. How different, how different the human being. When God created the human being, he created him in a very, very special way. You are a very, very special being. Now, the Bible says that human beings, mankind, is created a little lower than the angels. So angels were created a little higher than human beings. 
They are spirit beings. They had wonderful access to God. They have powers far beyond any human power or ability. But God created us, human beings, a little lower than the angels. And as I've already said, I believe that God created the universe specifically for mankind. That's why he created the earth. That's why he created the sun and the moon and the stars. That's why he gave us the seasons. That's why he gave us the concept of time, uh, the the earth uh, revolving on its axis, giving us the day, uh, the moon going around the earth every 29 and a half days or so to give us the lunar month, and uh, the earth going around the sun to give us the year. That's what gives us time. God designed all of that. That is a part of the the human experience. So all of this was created for man, and he put man over it. He gave man dominion over it. We're taught that in Genesis chapter 1, and we are uh, able to see that reaffirmed in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 and other places. Man was made in the image and likeness of God. As such, he is representative of God. He he represents the Lord in having dominion over the earth. Now, unfortunately, uh, that dominion was lost, and now the Bible tells us that Satan is the prince of this world. But now I want you to think about yourself. I want you to think about yourself as a human being. What are you? What are you? Now, we've we've used the terms spirit, soul, body, because those are the terms used in Scripture. Now, there are other terms that are more defining, perhaps, but those are the broad terms. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 tells us that God wants every part of our being sanctified and set apart unto God. He wants our human spirit set apart unto God. And remember, we have a spirit. It is a human spirit. It's not angelic spirit. It's not a divine spirit, but we have a human spirit. You and I have a body, a body that is going to live perhaps 70 or 80 years, some longer, some shorter, but we have this human body. If the body is killed, the human being, you, will continue to exist. And if you die, when you have that body put into the ground and buried, as it were, you, the real person, will either go to heaven or you will go to hell. But you will continue to exist. So you have the spirit, you have the body, and then you have this term, the soul. Now, sometimes in Scripture, a person is called a soul. Romans 13 challenges us, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. That's our responsibility to government. So in that sense, man is described as being a soul. You are a soul. But at the same time, The Bible uses that term, soul, to describe an aspect of our person. We are body, soul, and spirit. 
Now, we are not ever called a spirit. Again, sometimes we're called a soul, and we have a spirit. We are called a soul, and we have a body. We are never called a spirit with a soul or a body with a soul. Soul is that main term describing our person. We have a spirit. We have a body. Now, what I want to focus on in the coming episodes is the working and functioning of the human soul. We need to understand what we are. We need to understand how we function. Again, people are living today in confusion, so much confusion. A lot of it, of course, is what they are physically. We've already talked about that. People are in all kinds of turmoil as to whether they're male or female or whatever else they might think they are. And that is turmoil in itself, to be sure, but that comes from not believing the Bible. But then it comes to the soul, and the soul is the battleground of the human experience. So let me talk to you just for a few moments about the soul, and then we're going to really get into it in future episodes. Your soul is made up of at least four areas. First of all is your mind, your ability to think and remember and contemplate and plan and meditate and so on, your mind. The Bible has a lot to say about the mind. Then you and I have emotion. Emotion can be wonderful. Emotion can be devastating. Then you and I have a will. You and I have been given by God the ability to make choices and decisions, and we make them every day. And I would suggest to you that you are now where you are in life because of choices and decisions that you've made. And then the last area is the conscience, a gift from God to guide us and to direct us. So we're going to focus in on those things over the coming episodes. I hope you'll be with us. Lord bless you till next time.